Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Hello, friends and fiends of the pod to a mini episode or a mini-sode of Colton Classic. These are our Friday episodes that are short little doses of movie reviews, interviews, and other cool things that we want to bring to your attention and to help you tide you over until the next full episode of Colton Classic, which lands every Tuesday. So for this uh, week's mini-sode, we have a review of The Craft Legacy 2020. Yes, this is the 24 years later sequel to the 1999, or rather 1996 film, The Craft. Um, the Craft is a cult favorite, uh, starring, of course, uh, Nev Campbell, Robin Tunney, and uh, Feruza Balk, and uh, where, where four Catholic prep girls become a coven and get uh, magical powers from witchcraft and then start to turn on each other when uh, one of them starts to take things a little too far. It was rated R. Uh, it was sort of a, it's both been bashed by the, the Wiccan community and other witches because it's, it, they think it portrays it in an evil way, but also it's been embraced by this generation uh, as sort of a, a symbol of female power and a powerless uh, male-dominated society. So it makes sense to tackle the film franchise again now when we have so much social tumult going on. This one is written and directed by Zoe Lister-Jones. Zoe Lister-Jones, probably most known for uh, an indie film she did in 2017 called Band-Aid about a uh, married couple who start writing songs about their fights. Uh, I don't think that's a well-known film. So this is really her, her first foray into the, the big launch titles. And unfortunately, it really hurts me to say that, that The Craft Legacy is a bad film. Um, it hurts me in so many levels because it, it tries to tackle a number of things from non-binary sexuality to um, female empowerment. And unfortunately, it does none of them well and the story is problematic. The script is very, very amateur. It's, it hurts to say this. I know you can tell in my voice the frustration because already the film is going to face an onslaught of uh, hate and dislike from people who have deep set uh, anti-woman sentiment and fanboys who don't wanna see a sequel to a film that they love, fangirls feel the same way, fan other people that feel the same way. Um, but this film really fails in just about every single level. In fact, I do think it fails in every level. Um, from a story standpoint, 
It follows Lily as she moves to a new town where her mom is sort of jumping into a marriage with a, a new guy uh, played by David Duchovny. Great to see him on screen again. Uh, I wish it was in a better movie, but there we go. Um, Zoe is played by Kaylee Spaney, um, who's, she was in Pacific Rim Uprising. And uh, her, her three friends who are trying to, have, have been trying to form a coven, but they need a fourth, uh, has been, uh, is played by Zoe Luna, Gideon Adlon, and uh, Lovey Simone. Uh, it's a very multi-ethnic cast, which should be commended. Um, there are some confusing problems though, because if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna put in a, a conspicuously multi-ethnic group of leads, which is great, why then do you have the white female character who is the most uninteresting and most timid, the main character who ends up being the savior at the end of the film, which is how this one wraps up. It just, it's just another white savior complex situation. It's a, it's a bad choice. Um, everybody does pretty well. Uh, I think Gideon Adlon is the comic relief character who says a lot of crazy stuff. Um, she does fine, but they end up using her as a sort of the token friend character that just says something to break the tension and they overuse it. So she ends up just being a soundbite. Um, and there's nothing really good to say about them. They have a little bit of chemistry when they're, when they're let to be free together. Um, and so there's sparks of moments that could work, but then when they actually uh, become a coven and start having powers, uh, it's super childish what they feel like. They're supposed to be, I think, 15-ish, somewhere around there. Um, none of them seem to be driving. Um, and so you expect them to, to act young in some ways, but their, their powers that they use things for is like freezing the lunchroom at school and running around posing people's selfies and doing goofy things like that. It just doesn't serve a purpose uh, and the story then is suffers and doesn't seem to have a story uh, until over halfway through the film. Um, the ultimate uh, revelation which we all see coming is that David Duchovny, the, the new father figure, uh, is actually a, a witch himself who is bent on asserting uh, masculinity back into the world of man and putting female kind down into a subservient position once again. It's very heavy handed. I'm not saying it's not a good topic, but it's done so overtly here that it, the story suffers. And the story suffers to the point where we are, nothing is left to thought. We are told everything. I mean, let's listen to this clip uh, to near the climax when uh, Lily's character has found out that uh, her, her new to be father is actually this evil guy who's trying to steal her power because yes, she is a chosen character. She's a Mary Sue. She's chosen in that she has this power. We don't know why until the end. Uh, and here's just listen to this clip. Lily, power is order. It belongs in the hands of those who understand it. It's been that way for thousands of years. Timmy's a good example of that. See, everything is told to you directly. Uh, he says, uh, you know, we are your kings. Uh, you know, we're not made in your image, sort of suggesting that um, men are not born of women, even though, of course, we are. Uh, it's just nothing is subtle. 
And because nothing is subtle, it makes the audience feel stupid because we're being treated like we're stupid. Now, certain things do need a heavy hand because people don't pay attention. Um, but in this case, every single thing is exploited to the extreme and at the expense of those, uh, of those causes that should be represented in film. Uh, for example, the bully character at school is a man who, uh, who relentlessly teases and then propositions Lily's character after she has her period in, uh, uh, in homeroom or something. Um, he's played by Nicholas uh, Gelazine. I could be mispronouncing his name, uh, but he's gonna be in an upcoming series with Uma Thurman on Netflix called Chambers. Uh, he did a fantastic job as the bully that they cast a spell on to uh, get him in tune with his higher self. And then he flips and he becomes sort of the dream boy uh, who's really sensitive. Uh, this in itself is problematic because the version of him being ultimately sensitive is like a stereotypical woman that does not reflect real femininity. Um, he's overtly conscious and sensitive to the point where he says that he actually suffers because he doesn't make decisions and he's really, I mean, I guess it could be cute to a 15 year old brain, but it's not a, it's not a well-rounded person. Um, then we find out in a really fantastic, the best scene of the film, uh, and it's, it's because of him that he had a sexual experience with Lily's uh, to-be stepbrother. And, uh, and that really hurt him because it turns out he's bisexual and, and yet this person who he was really close to won't even speak to him now because the, their, uh, you know, David Duchovny's father character is hyper-masculine and of course uh, homosexuality or, or LGBTQIA sexuality of any kind is unacceptable to him if it's not heterosexual. It, this is a good scene. Uh, Nicholas Galatine does a great job putting his, uh, putting his, his emotion into the role. Um, I, I feel like the tears are real. It's just a very good job. Um, problem is it doesn't seem to fit in this movie because the movie doesn't know what it wants to do. Uh, at this point in time, the movie has been sort of like a, uh, a teen comedy with these four girls getting to know each other. But by the way, we don't actually get to know them at all. They're very, very flat characters. Um, only Kaylee Spaney's character of Lily has any sort of story. We don't, we don't see anyone else's home life. We don't see their circumstance, which is something we did see in the original craft. Um, we don't see sort of anything to make us view these people as actual people, which is really unfortunate because I think there's something there. And I think that this cast could have pulled it off. Uh, but unfortunately, the, uh, the desire to appeal to a wide audience, I guess, sort of hampers this. Um, and then once we find out that this character is, is bisexual, which by the way, Again, problematic, uh, not because we shouldn't have bisexual characters, but because it feels like the only reason he's not just homosexual is because they want him to hook up with the lead character, Lily, who, by the way, she's hooking up with someone who has been, uh, had a spell cast on them to become a person that doesn't seem like it's the person they would really be normally. That's weird. That feels like a weird type of grooming. It's just an a very strange situation. And instead of delving into that and making this a more mature film, which could have been done as well, uh, it just keeps it on the surface level and pretends that that's not an issue, which of course it is a huge issue. Now, we then go to uh, uh, David Duchovny's 
character uh, killing this this boy who he finds out is has a, a spell cast on him, but also had a homosexual relationship with one of his sons. I say one of his sons because Lily has three new stepbrothers, which is completely useless to the plot. There is no reason for three uh, brothers to be there. They, there's only uh, one brother that has anything to do with the plot, and it's the one that is the oldest that we see in maybe two scenes, has like a couple of lines. I think he might actually only have two or three lines in the entire film, um, who had the romantic liaison with this uh, other character played by Nicholas Galtzin, and uh, there's no reason for it. It's just a weird, muddied, uh, more characters thrown in that are necessary. What it comes down to is this movie doesn't have a, a strong plot. Uh, in the last 30 minutes, we start to see some plot come out and it's all crammed in where David Duchovny really reveals himself as the ultimate villain and then the four girls reunite to take him down, which by the way, they don't. They reunite only to uh, within about 45 seconds have all of the characters who are not Caucasian uh, presenting push to the side, and then Lily has to save the day. It's, uh, like I said, it feels like a white savior complex. It doesn't make any sense. She also uh, has a uh, twilight syndrome where it's unclear why she's so popular with these people because she doesn't say much. Uh, she does have good fashion sense. Um, that said, some of the fashion sense in the movie is really brutal. Um, uh, especially to uh, Zoe Luna, who is uh, by no means huge, but a larger figured person. And especially the outfit at the end and the final scene that they put her in is hateful, hateful. Oh my God, it's hateful. Uh, I don't know who I could recommend this movie to. Um, it feels like it would appeal maybe to 14, 15 year olds, particularly girls. Um, it does have that vibe about it. They mentioned Twilight several times in this. Um, Listeners who uh, watch the craft and are familiar with it will understand that this means they have aged down this uh, substantially, and they did. Um, it, it's it's weird then because they aged it down so much and made it so tame that there's two scenes featuring masturbation. One is when Lily walks in on one of her brothers masturbating for no apparent reason, uh, and it's never brought up again. And then another time when Lily actually uh, starts to masturbate with uh, her, her um, romantic character's jacket, it looks like. It's confusing what's actually happening. Um, so as much as having uh, it shown that uh, women masturbate, which is true, we all do, and uh, is, a, is a good thing to put out there for young women and men to see, to understand that it happens, it's weird to put it in this film. Um, there's also two scenes where uh, Lily Kaylee Spaney is, is nude. Once she's getting in the bath, once she's leaving uh, the, like, bathroom where she takes a shower but they live in a mansion and you're telling me she doesn't have a bathroom closer and you're also telling me that she just moved in with three teenage boys and she's not going to dress in the bathroom before she leaves it's a very weird situation it just feels like someone who isn't a human wrote this and I'm not trying to offend Lister Jones by saying that but I don't understand some of her choices last thing to harp on is the technical editing in this film is very confusing there are cuts that we don't know what happened, when it happened. Um, one instant, Lily's eating dinner with her, with her family, and the next instant she's in her room and it's unclear, did she just leave the table? Is this an hour later? There's no understanding of the situation. Um, 
there's uh, several scenes where the, the time seems to change without giving us any indication of it. Uh, at one point in time, you're looking at a window that has light and then the window is golden colored throughout the light. And you're just like, does that mean time changed? Did something supernatural happen? I don't know. Uh, I know I said this the last thing I want to harp on, but I lied. The other thing is that as a lover of, uh, of witches in cinema, both in a, in a realistic contemporary sense, but also in a medieval, uh, you know, maleficarum, which is hammer sort of sense, there is no witchcraft in this film. Uh, it's very, very, it's more a superhero film. Uh, it feels like a superhero Fox recent X-Men film more than it feels like a witch film. They do cast a circle in the beginning in the woods and it's the most witchy thing, but it also doesn't make any sense. They make a connection and then freeze time. Well, were they trying to freeze time? No, then why did it happen? I don't know, but it seems to be the one thing they can do in this movie. Uh, after that, there's no spells. It's just them using telekinesis and lighting fires and doing things with their mind without any sort of actual uh, ritual or, or witchy stuff at all. It just doesn't feel like a witch movie. It doesn't feel like a horror film. It doesn't have a strong plot. It has really bad writing. Um, the charming actors uh, in this, uh, and most of them I think are fairly charming, they, they're not giving anything to work with. Uh, I blame this solely on the direction and the writing because it's just weak. And I hate it because it's going to give people who would uh, instantly downvote the craft legacy for the wrong reasons, ammunition. Because it is a female-centric movie written and directed by a woman. Um, it is a take on a classic property. Um, and all of these things put it in uh, the sights of trolls. And when unfortunately your product isn't very good, in fact, this is downright bad, it's hard to argue with them. Um, and that, that I hate agreeing in any way, shape or form or appearing to agree with trolls. But unfortunately, The Craft Legacy is a bad movie. Uh, again, maybe a teenage girl might be interested in this. Um, if that's the case, great. But it's not gonna push any envelopes. It's anticlimactic. The story and narrative structure is problematic and it's not gonna be on anybody's classic list. So I'm gonna say you can skip The Craft Legacy Watch it if you want to uh, have all the information so you can make a, a judgment yourself. Uh, and maybe Zoe Lister-Jones' next production will be a step above, but I'm not sure what happened with this one, if there was a lot of studio pressure and intervention that caused issues, but right now it's a mess across the board. So that's it for this mini-sode of Colton Classic Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and I cannot wait to talk to all of you on uh, Instagram at classic, excuse me, oh, at Cult and Classic Podcast. Also, you can always email us at cultandclassicpodcast at gmail.com. Playing us out, as always, is The Chud with All About Evil. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash cultandclassicpodcast. And uh, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it and I love you. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.